Hello, pod people. This is Rick. And Rebecca. Welcome to a little R&R. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I sound a little hoarse today, I am. You're a little hoarse? I found nasally. Not a little pony. <laughs> not like a pony. Horse. Okay. A little hoarse voice hoarse. Yes. I just sound nasally. You you yes. don't sound nasally, don't. but you don't sound yourself. I hear nasal in my ears. You hear nasal. Man. That is an ear, no th- ears, no throat. Ears, That's hard nose, to say. and throat problem, yeah, for sure. One of my many problems. Mm. So yeah, how you doing today? You know what? I have no hoarse voice. That's good. Yeah. So you can do most of the talking today. Ooh, How's that sound? Ooh. Look out, people. So excited. Look out, people. <laughs> so the last two podcasts. Yes. We started a series on worship. So good. Right? And we talked about, I think, some good stuff about what worship is, about it not being just about music yep. and singing. Yep. But rather, it's our whole lives being offered. Yes. And uh, we talked about obedience last time, about Abraham saying they were going to the mountain to worship. Yep. When he was really going to offer Isaac and how worship really is offering our whole selves to God. Even the things God promised. Right. Yep. Our plans are everything. Everything. And trusting God with that. That's really what with he's the outcome for. no matter what. Yeah. So not controlling the outcome, but God, here's what you asked for. Here's yep. what you want. Here it is. That's an act of worship. And so we're gonna do part three today. Should we do that? Woo, woo, woo. Yeah, woo. worship as as sacrifice. Uh so I'm gonna read the text. How's that? I like that. And then let's kind of dive in. This is a story from from uh, Matthew's gospel about a woman who pours oil on Jesus' feet. And it just seems like such a sweet story of worship mm. and also of sacrifice. So if you want to look it up later, not now if you're driving, but Matthew 26, here's the story. It says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, Mm -hmm. but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth. Whenever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. And clearly Jesus was right because we're still talking about it, right? Yep. What is it about this story that that is so captivating 2,000 years later? Oh, my gosh. There is so much about this story that I think is captivating. And I think part of it is I think it's not just told here, but it's also mm-hmm. told in John's account. Yep. And John actually gives us a little bit more detail when he's giving his account. I can't tell you where it is in the book of John. I just know that it's in the book of John. But it's the anointing at Bethany. Yeah. And um, it specifically in John's account tells us that the woman is Mary. And Mary is the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And then it also tells us that the person specifically who stood up and said, why this waste was Judas Iscariot. Sure, the money guy. Yep. Yep. And when I was a kid, side note, I always thought they say, were saying Judas the scary guy instead of <laughs> Judas Iscariot. So anyway. Well, he kind of is, <laughs> if you think no, what he did. I know. It kind of, whatever. It works. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
Judas, the scary guy, is the one who says why this waste. And I think that the story, when we dig a little deeper, I think it shows um, beautiful humanity in the followers of Jesus. And then also it shows Mary's act being so beautiful um, on so many different levels. And I think, okay, so I'm almost distracted and I just want to jump into kind of a retelling if that's okay. Sure, absolutely. Okay, so so Mary had seen, she's, she's uh, Martha's sister and Lazarus's sister. She had seen Lazarus raised from the dead. Right. She had been there and was saying as part of the people who were there saying, you know, if you would have been here, this whole outcome would have been completely different and knew Jesus could have healed him. Right. And was present when Jesus said, Lazarus, come on out and was present, was possibly one of the people who helped Mm -hmm. unwrap her brother's grave cloths. Sure. And she had Uh, Scripture says that she was one who got to sit at the feet of Jesus. And that phrase is really important because that's what a rabbi would use when raising up the next rabbi, which means she didn't physically like sit at Jesus's feet like a puppy dog. She sat at the feet of Jesus means that she was raised up just like the other men in a culture where women weren't respected. Right. She was trained and raised up to be a rabbi. And that, for a woman at that time, is just ridiculous. So the setting of this party is so cool because it says it takes place at the house of Simon the leper. Mm-hmm. You don't, as a leper, throw a party and right. have people show up. show up. So he's been healed, yep. and Scripture tells us that. So this is going to be some party. Mm-hmm. Lazarus mm-hmm. has been raised from the dead, and the account in John also tells us that the leaders at the time were so upset about it that they were plotting yeah. to kill him again. He does a good thing, <laughs> and they want to kill him. Like, just shows the opposition he faced. Not nuts. Like, <clears throat> Lazarus is back from the dead. Let's kill him Let's again. Kill him. Uh, and, um, and then in John's account, he also says Martha's cooking. So I think that's really important that we know Martha's known for that. Yep. That she's got some skills. She made a heck of a burger. Oh. Right? My Lord. <laughs> and they are at this party... And there's such a vibe of celebration. And Mary walks into the room, and I get this picture that she doesn't say a word. And Scripture tells us that she's been saving this perfume that's worth a year's wages. This is a person who is, she is not a pauper. She has, like, something very, very expensive. And theologians have said she was very possibly saving it for her wedding. Sure. And instead she comes in and one account Mm -hmm. says she pours it on his feet and another account says she pours it on his head. And I think it was the vantage point of the two disciples. I I do believe she did both. Hmm. And this stuff would be stronger than any perfume that we know. It's like all of our perfumes and then you take them and put them in an essence. Right. And she poured out what was an essence and it would have been a fragrance that would have been offensively filling this room and she pours it on him and she slathers him with it and there's there's another account of a woman 
who gives Jesus her tears. Yeah. And and oil on his feet. And yeah. I think I think that woman who came in, scripture never tells <clears throat> us who she was, and I think it's out of respect. Um, because Simon the the Pharisee at that point, at that household, different Simon, different woman. Simon the Pharisee said, if you knew who this woman was, you wouldn't let her touch you. Right. And so scripture doesn't tell us who she was. She just came in to seek forgiveness and she got it. But Mary is coming in for something completely different. She's coming in because she loves Jesus. She knows him. She has spent time with him, has been taught by him. She has uh, watched him heal, watched him raise someone from the dead. And she is being raised up to do the same. And she is coming in to give. It's like beyond her all, it's like, I I don't it's know. It's a sacrifice you can't even imagine. Right? It's, it's almost like, to me, she's abandoned to worship. Yeah, for sure. She's holding nothing back from this moment of just sacred moment of giving everything to him. Yeah. There's almost wasteful in the, in the disciples' mind, certainly Judas's mind, wasteful. Yes. Sacrifice. And I, I think she came in with a grin on her face and a twinkle in yeah, her eye. She probably couldn't wait to do that. And I think when she poured it out and that smell entered the room, it got silent. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing about that is when Jesus says, you know, what this woman has done has anointed me for my burial. He moves directly from that anointing at Bethany into his testing and trial. And he moves into where by the time he's on the cross, those garments and that oil would still be on him. And I, it makes me wonder, like when they divided his garments, were they aware of the fragrance sure. of Mary's worship? Yep. That it would have been present with him. It would have seeped into his pores while he's on the cross sweating. Yeah, He would have been aware of Mary's worship. It was present with him. Yeah. So let's go back and explore a couple of things that just, okay. and we're talking sort of like in my wheels turn. So, so first of all, she's disappointed that Jesus didn't come sooner to, to raise or to heal Lazarus while he was still sick. Right. Right. She's like frustrated. Oh yeah. She doesn't see the plan. She wishes it would have been different. And so she's certainly feels free sharing that with Jesus. Yes. She's not afraid to say, Hey, where were you? Why weren't you here yeah. sooner? Like David in right? Psalms. Right. Yes. Which I guess I think shows us this really sweet freedom we have. Like God knows we don't understand, knows we don't see the whole picture, knows we don't understand what's going on. And so there's this freedom to ask the questions. Yes. And yet then she sees him raised from the dead and it all kind of makes sense. Yep. And so this worship comes out of maybe less than the fact that, hey, my brother's alive, but also out of... Wow, you're amazing. Yes. Why don't I trust you more often? You know? Yes. I feel like there's more than just the fact that he's risen from the dead. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And I think so much of it was um, simply that she knew him. Right. Like knew, knew him. Like, yeah. like um, her love and her adoration wasn't like fandom. Right. It was a deep reverence and wonder and adoration. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So that part's really intriguing. And then 
the reaction from the disciples Ooh. is snarky. Interesting. Snarky to the core. Yeah. Of why are you wasting this money when we could have given it to the poor? So there's a sense here in which they certainly don't understand why she's doing it. They see what she's doing, but they don't know the why behind it. And so yep. if they don't know the why behind it, I suppose it would look wasteful. Like, why are you just pouring it out when you could have sold this? But I wonder what sort of correlation there is, is for us here. Uh, people might see our sacrifice to God. Not even maybe, you know, worshiping a service, but even our sacrifice or our obedience and go, what are you doing? Yes. Right? Yep. Can you think of any examples like that in your life? I can think of so many examples of that in my life that people who don't know my story, they don't understand why I relate to God in the way that I do. Right. And it's so easy as an outsider to judge another person based on what we see naturally. But the reality is, is that we do not know that person's experience. We do not know how they have drawn closer to God, and we do not know how God has revealed himself to them. And when we're looking at one another and we are saying, why does that person have to do that, say that, be like that? My question back is, um, do you really know what God has done for that person? Yeah. No, that's so good. Like, if you don't know the person's story— you don't understand the depth of their sacrifice, right. their worship, their surrender. Right. Because they understand how awesome Jesus is, yep. they're willing to do whatever. And we might go, man, that person's kind of extreme in their following of Jesus. Yeah. But Jesus might be extreme in 100%. his interactions with them. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He meets us where we're at and he's so personal. So there's a, there's a scripture that talks about those who... Uh, are forgiven much, love much. Uh -huh. And that really seems to fit in here, doesn't it? That if we know how much we're forgiven, if we understand grace, there seems to be this natural, or there should be this natural outflow of us of like, wow, you did what for me? Okay, so you just actually quoted from the story of the woman who came in and wept at Jesus's feet with her tears. Yeah. That's where that line That's comes where in. That's for sure. Good and call. the reason that it comes in is because Simon the Pharisee did not understand why Jesus would let this woman come close to him. Right. And because Simon the Pharisee did not understand why God talked to him, Jesus talked to him about money yeah. and explained it in a way that the guy could finally get it. Yep. How crazy is that? Yeah, it's crazy to think about how our awareness of God's love, mercy, and grace, favor, blessing, what he saved us from, how that drives our worship. Yes. Okay, so let's, let's. okay, so here's a thought. Do you think it's true, this is a dumb question because the answer is yes, but do you think it's true that a lot of times we've thought, man, I did this, I got myself through this, this is a coincidence, this happened, I worked hard to get here. We've probably all thought that at some point in our lives about different yes. things, which clearly takes the glory away from God because we're like, well, I did this. Yes. And there's certainly truth there that we have to do something, yeah. do our part. But I think this story shows us that when we understand the magnificence of God, the glory of God, it's like, yeah, he might have used me. He might have given me some things to do, but this was all about him. Yes. That changes our worship. 
Yes, it does. It elevates it from ourselves to, oh my goodness, there's no way I could have done this without God. Yes. That would change, I think, right? Our willingness to sacrifice and obey because now we understand what actually happened. So there's two thoughts that I have in in response to that. And the first one is 12-step work says that God will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And I think in my addictive thinking, I've always grabbed hold of the part that was God's and I didn't do the part that was mine. Of course. And to kind of get that part straight, I'm supposed to take the action that I'm supposed to take, but I'm supposed to put results in God's hands. My second thought is a scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 6. It talks about how You will live in the houses that you did not build, drink from wells that you did not dig, and eat from vineyards that you did not plant. And when you have these things, do not forget to remember it was the Lord your God. And I think it's so easy. That's that kind of scriptural understanding as the people came out of the wilderness and into what was promised. They had that same exact thing where they were like, I got myself here. Right, right. Yeah, we did that. Moses had to write them letters to say no. Oh, you did not do that. It's such human tendency, it's isn't it? It's so human. Man, look what I did. Oh, my gosh. And we forget what God did. Yep. That's such a great part of this story. Whew. So there's an interesting line in here when when he's responding to the, the haters who are like, why is she doing this? And he's like, why are you criticizing her? You will always have the poor, but you'll not always have me. Which it on a skeptical viewpoint might be, well, he's saying he doesn't care about the poor. He's not saying that. Right. What is he doing here, do you think? Oh, my Do you gosh. think he's elevating it beyond just the what they see around them to what really matters most? Yeah. It's a priority shift. Yeah. And I think it goes back to all that we've been talking about, that it's really easy, especially in ministry circles, to think that we're doing good and miss worship. Oh, for sure. (laughs) You know, like, like, because it it becomes about the ministry as opposed to actual worship. And it's. So we've talked about this part already that Jesus says that her story will be told forever. Mm -hmm. What is it about this story that's so intriguing to us? There's a lot of awesome stories the Gospels record. This is the only one I can think of where Jesus says this story is going to keep being told over and over again. Like, what is it about this story? Like, this isn't feeding of the 5,000. This isn't raising Lazarus. Like, what is it about what she does here that so amazes Jesus and knows will capture our imagination? What makes this story so unique? I think it's the unadulterated love. Okay. I think that it's just like the purity of that adoring him with no... I don't think she had any motivation of getting anything no, or no. or even having, you know, like it was just, I don't think she could help herself, Rick. I don't think so either. It's almost like she was compelled to express exactly. her love and adoration. She just couldn't help it. She couldn't it. help it in the most sacrificial, intense way she could think of. Which actually got people offended. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting that our, that our level of sacrifice, people go, you're crazy. I actually want to change your wording from sacrifice and move it to love. Yeah. Our yep. level of love That's for fair. him can become offensive to others. It just makes no sense to people, right? Nope. So I wonder, so he throws in this line too, she has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. 
I'm not sure she's thinking that. No, she had no idea. He is realizing, oh, this is, without her even knowing it, she's she's foreshadowing what's about to happen. So even in her act of worship, he was connecting it to, this is a sweet aroma right now for my burial even. Ooh. Interesting. That is, yeah. So what are some what are some ways our love to God, our sacrifice, whatever, might look to the world like that's crazy? How would we apply this to our lives today? We're probably not going to go buy a year's worth of or a sa- year's sour worth of perfume and pour it on somebody's feet. So what's the application for us? Like, what would this look like in our lives to love God to this level and be willing to sacrifice something like that? What that what's that look like? I think my first thought is, what's your perfume? Like, we each individually have to look at what's that you one mean thing? like polo? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or brute. My dad wore brute. Oh, gross. Yeah. Okay. My dad wore brute. So, green no. bottle. I'm sorry. Just got, <laughs> you just I can smell it. <laughs> I can literally smell the brute right now. Oh, maybe it'll clear out your nose. Maybe. <laughs> Couldn't hurt. So, yeah, it could. Uh, so... <laughs> Like, what's that What's that one thing that we've been holding on to, saving for the day when we think something good's going to happen? Can we hand that over? Can we actually, like, not not as even a sacrifice, but, like, have we, have we hit that point of adoration? Because here's the deal. There's, I think there's sacrifice and then there's adoration through abandonment to that. Yeah. And it's okay if you're not at the abandonment stage then what are you willing to sacrifice? But if you're past the sacrifice stage, what's your perfume? Can you move into abandonment? Yeah, and and what's costly? This cost her something. Yes. Financial cost, also ridicule cost. Yeah. But it might cause us our, our plans or our reputation or our whatever to give everything to the Lord and go, here you go. This is my perfume to you today. Yeah. And knowing that it's worth the sacrifice. I think that's where maybe some of us get stuck is we want to love God that much, but maybe we're not convinced that it's worth that. And what she shows us here is when we understand how awesome God is, there's nothing that's that's too no. expensive. There's nothing that's not worth giving up to him. Yep. Huh. I love that story. Yeah, it's such a sweet story of of like of just freely giving. I think you're right that there was this glint in her eye of like, I can't. It wasn't like she's like, oh, man, mm-hmm. I've got to pour out a year's worth of perfume on this guy. Right. She's not begrudging this. No. You just sense that she can't wait to do this. She's yep. eager to do this because she loves him so much. And so maybe the takeaway for us is what's that thing that we could do for the Lord or give to the Lord or how we could show love to him in a way that would bring glee to us. Yes. Right. Oh, I like what that. What would bring Rick. joy to us? Thank you. What would bring joy to us? Oh, uh, like giving my time or my, my future or my family or my adoration in a way that would make me feel like, wow, this was worth it. This was a good trade off, if you will. Yeah. Right. What's that thing that would bring glee to our eyes to, to, to leave before him. I want to link to that. I think it's interesting that that story of Abraham with his son and the story of Mary with her perfume, if she was saving her perfume for her wedding, 
she was letting go of that future 100%, relationship. 100%. And, yep. and Abraham with Isaac was letting go of that future relationship. Yep. And I think one did it out of obedience. The other did it with that glee. That's beautiful. Yeah. They're and both letting go of a promise right there. Or yes. maybe letting go is not the right word, but they're 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 releasing, releasing it to him. Yes. And saying, This is what I think's gonna happen, what you've told me is gonna happen, but here it is. Wow. I'm even giving this to you. Yep. Like that's apparently to God a really big deal. Yes. When we say, Here's our dreams, here's our plans, here's our our everything, you can have this. It's yours. More than just the words from our mouth. That's the heart stuff he's looking for. Come on. That's what worship really is. And this story so beautifully captures that, right? Yep. Any closing uh, thoughts today about from your own story or just encouraging words of next steps for our pod people about how they can take next steps with this? Oh, I, my first thought is really like one of your sweetest perfumes that you have is actually who you are by God's design. Right. And bringing that into life with him daily. Yeah. That you come in unmasked. Yep. And that's unashamed. That's like the the daily perfume. Unashamed, no matter what people yes. might say about your worship. Because yes. there's always gonna be haters of gonna course. hate. You know, haters there's gonna always hate. gonna haters <laughs> gonna hate, hate, hate. Yes. There's what? always gonna be somebody <laughs> who's gonna look at your walk with God and say, Do you really have to do all that? Yep. But they don't know what you've been through. Yeah. And they don't know how God has met you there. Got to throw a little T-Swift in there for our Come on. pod people, right? You did. Yeah, not that's me. good. That's good. <laughs> We're going to keep going with this next time, talking about uh, how we worship with our lives and in spirit. And uh, we'll kind of pick it up in uh, in two weeks. So uh, you guys are awesome. If you have any questions or comments, please throw them into the comment section of please. the app. Please. Let us know what you want. We'd love to hear want. back from you. Yeah. And I uh, hope you're having a blessed week and that... Uh, your worship is delightful and fulfilling mm, and you brings honor and glory to God. So we'll see you soon. In the meantime, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and grant you much, much peace. Love you guys. See ya. Bye.